I'm excited to welcome uh, Arjun Morthy, who is the CEO and co-founder of The Factual. And Kim, I don't know if you know this, but out in the world today, there's this push about news being, there's a little bit of bias out there. There's some stuff that isn't necessarily always true and people call it news, but actually it's only opinion. I mean, it's not all the time, but it's something. Tell some, explain so. the news more to me though. Now. <laughs> I will try. I will try. Uh, <laughs> Kim, when I proposed this idea that we should talk about unbiased news, where did your mind go first? What, what were you well, thinking when I said that? I was, as I often am, um, in all business dealings, past, present, and future, thinking about myself. And um, I, I do my uh, TikTok news thing. I also do a, um, I'm taking a little bit of a pause on it right now. So what a terrible time to promote this. But I also do a daily, very short news show. And um, I know that that show is for me. It's an audience of one. <laughs> and I, and uh, I know that it's, su- it's, um, it, it's, uh, it's factual, but also ironically, <laughs> it's based in fact. Uh, but also leans towards more what I do. Um, so I was excited to have a conversation and learn more about um, a company that doesn't want to do that. <laughs> That's better. Yeah. I understand that that is awesome. better. Well, let's get into this conversation then. So Arjun Morthy is, is the, the co-founder and CEO of The Factual. Arjun, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Dan and Kim. I'm delighted to be here. Now, I discovered the factual several years ago. I don't even remember exactly how I did, but I know that that seeing the fact that I could see news stories, where the sources were from, what was their kind of bias swing from center? Are they a little bit left, a little bit right, a whole lot left, a whole lot right? But also this trust grade of like, yeah, these people report on facts, not as much opinion, was really interesting. So I fell in love with it. I became a a free subscriber quickly realized I wanted to be a paid subscriber. So I've been around for a long time with the factual, but here's my thing. I didn't realize that we had such a connection. Hmm. It goes back even further than that. Um, maybe we'll get into that here in a minute, but will you tell listeners a little bit, Arjun, about what it, why the factual even came to be? Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been a news geek my whole life. Uh, it's kind of, uh, it's a little corny. I say this story all the time, but, uh, people seem to, to, to sort of get it. My first job uh, was a paper boy. When I was 12 years old, I delivered the Brantford Expositor in Canada where I grew up. And uh, I loved it. I thought it was a great job. It paid very well for a kid. Uh, I grew my route. My customers are very happy. And I thought, hey, this is cool. Like I deliver this thing every day, uh, six days a week back then. And uh, people really liked it. They felt good about it. And it was affordable back then. And so uh, I like that. I like reading the news. I was that geek in school that had a subscription to the New Yorker when I was 19 for 20 years. Like I like reading a lot. And um, as editor-in-chief at Stanford, was in grad school as well. I always thought that news was a useful product, a good product when it's done well, when it's meant to be informative. But, you know, back around 2015, 2016, it wasn't being done well. A lot of people are feeling like this thing is, is bad for me. It's bad for my health. It's not really making the world any more uh, decipherable. And so when I had left HubSpot, which is the previous company I was at and where uh, Dan, you and I would have crossed paths briefly, um, I, I thought, okay, well, I've always wanted to do something of my own. 
I'd like to do it in a space that is close to my heart. Because I knew that if we were going to do something that would have an impact, we had to plan for at least 10 years. It takes about a decade to really make sort of a difference in something you care about. And so it had to be something that was close to my heart. And this was, I met my co-founder, Ajoy, who's a CTO, who's amazing. And he is similarly idealistic like I am, I suppose. Um, and so uh, we had some ideas, we got together and, and we thought about ways to build, you know, to improve the news world uh, using technology. Both of us are engineers. We had some ideas. Uh, to be totally honest, Dan, we were grossly naive, arguably very arrogant, because who do you think you are? Like two engineers saying, oh yeah, let's take some technology. We got this. I'll see you at lunch. You know, it's just, it was so absurd. And, um, and sure enough, we failed for the first few years. It was, we tried a bunch of things and it didn't work. Um, we kept trying to make uh, people feel better about the news and do more with the news. And people said, you know, you're trying to make me take action with the news. Like our first idea was, you know, uh, there was this button called the give a damn button. And so it would attach to the bottom of an article and you'd press it and it would analyze the article and look at your location and say, oh, you're reading about criminal justice and you're in lower Manhattan. Here are your local state federal representatives. Here's what they've said about the issue. You could talk to them, tweet at them, reply to them, share this article, et cetera. People thought it was really cool, but then they never used it when we built it. And we're like, hey, what gives? And so there are a variety of reasons, but the one that kept coming up over and over again is they said, you want me to do something with the news? You want me to share this with people? I don't know if I know enough about this topic. I don't know if the thing I'm reading is any good. I don't want to look stupid and share like a bad article. That's terrible. So we said, oh, so you want to be educated on this topic. You want to know this topic well. Okay, great. We can help you with that. And so that was the genesis of the factual. We said, let's help people find great news. It actually wasn't screening out misinformation, disinformation, any of those buzzwords. Actually, it was really simple. We just wanted people to find great news. And so we asked people, what do you, what's great news for you? Like, what do you think is good news? And people said the same four things over and over again. He said, I want it to be really well-researched, you know, facts, information. Isn't that what news is about? I don't want it to be opinionated. What you just said, Dan, you know, it's like everything is opinionated. Good Lord. Like, please just cut that out. Just give me, give me the straight deal. Um, I want it to be written by someone who knows what they're talking about. Some sort of an expert, not some guy who writes about politics one day and sports the next. And, you know, it's just, that's not that useful. And then, yeah, from a good reputable site, not some Macedonian run site that's being driven for ads. And, um, so we took those four things and we turned it into code. We turned it into this ratings algorithm. And now every article that we rate every day, about 10,000 of them are rated for how well-researched they are, how unopinionated they are, how much they're written by a topical expert and how good of a source it is. And that is sort of the, the genesis and the heart of what we do at The Factual. Problem solved. Here you go. We're done. <laughs> That's fixed. Cool. Great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's step one. You know, it's, um, as you guys probably know, when it comes to building a solution for consumers, there's a long, long road between that's a cool idea and people actually use it and get value. And so first there's the idea, then there's the technology, which needs tons of refinement. It took two years to build that search engine uh, to be really robust. Then you have to build products. Then you have to get people into the habit of using the products. Then you've got to find a business model that works. And we were steadfastly against advertising because 
we didn't want to fall down the same rabbit hole everyone did, which is let's get you to read more stuff. Let's get you to click more. I'm like, I don't care if you click. I don't want you to read more. I just want to give you the facts and get on with your life. So it took a long time to get there. And uh, we're still on that journey. We have something good. It, it's working now and the business is good and it's growing. Um, so it's good, but it's, it's like the first inning, maybe halfway through the first inning. There's a long road to go. It was very early. Yeah. Yeah. Kim, I saw your eyes light up when he was talking about the give a damn button. <laughs> oh my God. I just have like 5,000 thoughts. Some of them are really <laughs> stressful to me. Some of them are excellent. Uh, first of all, I'm like so in awe. I I love the idea of a give a damn button. I was like, yes, I need that. And then, yeah, that is, that is a good point because do we, I want a give a damn button. But then I think about other people that just walk around in this world. And I don't know if I want them to like give a damn. Yeah. Uh, because I don't. You know, um, because it takes all kinds and that's great um, yep. and also very worrisome. Um, uh, and then when you were so I love I love that idea and also understand that it's not um, like most things in the world. It has like a complicated situation behind it because, um, you know, if you have people that don't know a ton about it and they do get their hands on an article that maybe isn't super well researched or anything like that, then they're putting information to the world that might not be the most accurate. I love that you guys adjusted like that. That's right. Yeah. In fact, one of the big themes that we uh, latched onto, so there was finding good information and rating articles. But then we always knew that a second part of this whole story was making it easy and productive for people to talk about the news. We as human beings like to talk about news. It's just the way we are wired. It's a social thing. We dig it. But talking about the news today sucks. And if you do it anywhere online, good heavens, you're going to get into fights. You're going to get into arguments. People you know, people you don't know, families. It's awful. And one of the reasons is because everywhere we talk about it, the more extreme you are, the more bite worthy, sound bite worthy you are, the more likes and hearts and tweets you get and followers and all that other vanity metrics. Uh, but it says nothing about the quality of what you said. And so when we built a ratings engine for comments and for readers, not just for articles, we used a similar sort of logic where we said, what we care about is how insightful is your comment? How likely is it that this person who wrote this comment actually knows something? And so we look at reading patterns over time. And the basic hypothesis is, if you are a consistent reader of good news, you might know something. And if you're not a consistent reader, maybe you don't know something. And that factors into how your comments are viewed. And so at the end of the day, yes, we all have a right to speak on the internet, but not all of us know the same amount on every topic. Let's elevate the voices that actually know something. That's the gist of it. Let me ask you a personal question. Sure. Why don't you buy Twitter? <laughs> Why don't you be the one that does it? <laughs> Why don't you? Yeah. Oh, that 43 billion lying around in change somewhere on Twitter. <laughs> pick it up. Um, yeah. yeah. Twitter, Twitter actually, uh, I'm sure the whole world is talking about it still. It's, uh, it's a beast, man, because I think not only does it have its challenges with the algorithms and, and how it promotes stuff, it's got an extremely vocal audience and usually a very partisan vocal audience on the hard left, on the hard right. And they seem to revel in picking on other people. I can't understand this behavior where 
some poor person with like 86 followers says something stupid. And then some really high profile person's like, this is the kind of reason why I hate liberals or conservatives and retweet and like it. I'm like, first of all, who is that person? Why are you doing this? You're just dividing the country for no reason. It's not emblematic of anything. I don't know how to break that in Twitter. You know, I mean, I have some ideas. So Arjun, you said something earlier about 2015, 2016 is when you started to really see this. Is that your opinion? Is that when this started or did this news, this, this downhill slide into garbage news begin before that? Like what drove Oh yeah, long, long before that. Um, I would say that, you know, a lot of it is synonymous with the rise of the internet as the primary way in which we get our news, particularly social media driven internet. So you should really pin it back to when Facebook started to become a big way we got news, Twitter became a big way to a lesser degree, Reddit and some of these other platforms. Um, yeah, some people like to pin it on uh, the rise of Donald Trump and I don't actually think that's correct. I think it precedes him by quite some time because of what these platforms have been able to do. Um, I also, by the way, don't go around blaming the platforms entirely because, you know, when they started, they didn't really know this was what they were going to turn into. They didn't even think about news when they set out to build these things. They thought about connecting families and friends and all kinds of other stuff. So uh, I don't necessarily blame them, but it is what the impact that they've had. They amplify extremist content that is not at all emblematic of what most people think. It's the most skewed perspective on humanity you could ever get is to just go on to Twitter and read stuff. You're like, oh my God, is this what people think? It's like, no, not at all. It's 2% of the population's there actually tweeting and they're not at all like the other 98 or certainly not like the middle 60% or so. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it predates, uh, it, I would say somewhere around 2006, 2007 is when it started to really pick up. And it sort of led to the explosion of the internet, even broader than social media, the internet itself reduce the cost of production of a news-like site. It used to be before you'd have editors and reporters and all this other stuff and this infrastructure and paper and delivery and all that. And then internet just like, cut it all out, make it really cheap, put up a site, throw up some blog posts and you look like a news site. And so sources flourished. We went from, you know, a few dozen sources most of us recognized. We thought, yeah, it's kind of reputable to now thousands of sources. You don't recognize half of them. You don't even know whether they're reputable or not. And then the old school gatekeepers, they're competing with all these thousands of people. So they became more extremist. They started to also become more soundbitey because they're like, well, we're in the attention game. We got to fight with all these other guys. And so it just devolved. The whole thing just devolved. Um, and then social media was just like the, the death nail in, in it. It was like, it was bad. Wait till we turn up the engines on amplification. And then it was just like game over. There's nothing left. Yeah, um, I think uh, I, I was just thinking about the um, I think the New York Times opinion section is like a great example of this all kind of combining, because first of all, it's opinion. So it, people are going to like it. People are not going to like it. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> like that's the point of opinion. They're not saying it's fact. Also, New York Times is one of the uh, most reputable sources as far as news goes. They're an old newspaper. They they when they're doing the news proper, they. For the most part, know what they're doing. Nobody's going to get it absolutely perfect. All right. Um, as Dan uh, often says, humans are messy. Newspapers are run by humans. Yeah. It is what it is. But then you get this combination of social, you know, an opinion piece written in the New York Times 
that is um, not the take that, that most people have. It's a surprising out of nowhere take. Yeah. And then you get social media involved and suddenly everyone's like, the New York Times is bad. This is why I don't subscribe. Well, hang on. Yeah. It's an opinion that you don't agree with. Yeah. What? <laughs> now so, the entire infrastructure is bad? Like, come on, guys. I think the New York Times is such a fascinating case study in this. Um, so at the outset, let me say the New York Times is a generally good news publication. And our ratings show that they put out pretty good news. It's pretty well researched. They have beat reporters that really know their stuff. Um, they rate well. Uh, sometimes they're not great. Sometimes they're extremely good. But on the whole, they rate pretty well. Uh, two things about the Times, though. The first is um, they do have a liberal bias overall in how they frame stories. And this has been famously called out and seen so many times. Notably, there was a time where Donald Trump spoke at some rally and he talked about, you know, we, we need to come together and stop being so divisive or something of the sort. And so the Times basically said that as the headline on the front page. And Times users were upset. They were like, wait, this is the guy that's causing division. And you chose to pull that quote as your header? No way. And so the Times changed the headline that day on the home page within two hours. And look it up. It's on The Guardian has an article. And I'm like, there, that's it. That's what people are upset about is you caved. It's, no one's going to suddenly change their opinion on Donald Trump because of one headline from you. Don't worry about that. If you thought that was the fact you wanted to call out, fine. But you caved to the public pressure because they didn't like the fact that Trump was being portrayed in an arguably neutral to positive way in the Times. And that was just not okay. That, that's happened a few times. And I think that really does burn Times brand. And then beyond that, I think this is not just the Times, but it's everyone, the Journal, the Post, every place. This idea that the public can be expected to differentiate between news and opinion, I think is not going to happen. We've been trying it for decades and maybe in the print days where it was clearly a print section of opinion, editorial, maybe people understood enough of the difference. It doesn't play in internet era. It just looks like a collection of articles. You're not going to see opinion in the URL or on the site. And at the end, it is a reflection of your brand, whether you like it or not. And so I think the truth is, no, no one in the news business will agree with me. It's like trying to have your cake and eat it too. Are you a news organization or are you a general purpose cultural discussion place for stuff? You're not both anymore. I'm sorry. The latter actually got usurped very well, sadly, by the Twitters and Facebooks of the world. So I say be a news organization. And honestly, yes, cut out all opinion. I know it's crazy, but really that's your job, the Times and the Journal. Your news. And by the way, you're very good at it. You've been doing it for a hundred years. Stick to that game. You'll still get it wrong sometimes, but far, far less criticism than when opinion gets mixed in and no one can differentiate the two. I think they have to change the way they think about news. And again, I don't think they'll do it because opinion drives clicks. Opinion gets views. Opinion is where the controversy is. But if you want to be a news organization, that can't be how you solve. You've got to solve for, am I being informative? And to hell with all the other stuff. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> My mind starts to think about all, like over the last 20 years, and I was in TV news back in the early 2000s and got out and got into marketing. And so 
I've long been an, a, an a information nerd. <laughs> like I can remember way back then thinking, why are we as a local station giving national coverage? Let the national news organizations do that. Let's talk about local news. Why are we giving opinion? Why are we do, like do local news or regional at the at most? And then years later, hearing um, radio stations talk about, well, go to our blog to read about this thing about your favorite rock star. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm just going to go to Google or go to Twitter. Why would I go to you? You be what you are. You be my local morning show flavor. And then just the radio on in the background as I go about my day. So sticking with what you're good at has been rolling on in my head, but I never said it nearly as well as you just did, Arjun. <laughs> uh, that's so, that's so good. Are you saying stay I, I in your lane? question coming up. I, I try <laughs> yeah. to. Be a singer, I, not a, well, not a, an activist. Is that what you're trying to no, say? No, because you can be both. Be a lady, not art, an activist. Art is activism. Art says to me. Listen, anyway. Stay in your um, lane. <laughs> stay in your lane. Um, I have another question, but Kim, did you have something else you were thinking of? I, I don't know what Arjun I have a lot of things I'm thinking of, but um, <laughs> go, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I I want to. This is like a divergence thing, but I want to ask you because you ha you are rating all of these networks and all of these sources. Often, what people will say to me because I am the liberal <laughs> in any room, even in Los Angeles, people are like, "Oh God, here she comes." Um, <laughs> people will sometimes say to me, uh, "You know, MSNBC wishes they could be Fox News," and I will say, "Well, hold on." <laughs> I, I, and, and I think that part of it is because I, I, I know that I want that to not be the case, but what would you say to that? I feel like they're not rated similarly, but just on different sides of the scale. I think that there's more truth coming from MSNBC, not all the truth. And it is very biased, but I'm, I, I'm curious. Um, so MSNBC actually, uh, it's harder for us to rate because their website is almost entirely video based. Uh, they seem to dispense with text articles and our ratings engine is very much a text heavy thing. We'll tackle audio next uh, and then we'll do video later. Um, so it's hard for us to spit out ratings at MSNBC and so therefore to have a fair comparison. Maybe the better comparison I could say is CNN versus Fox. And okay. so both of those actually are very similarly rated on average, kind of 60-ish uh, percent out of 100 we rate articles. So not great. Um, both are fairly opinionated and both have uh, elements of bias that are rife in the way that they report. I think CNN sometimes makes a good faith effort to not try to be as left liberal. Um, they, you know, they're their proprietors and owners, when they actually had that briefly lived CNN plus thing, they, you know, the, the guy who was running it said, I really want us to have people from the other side. And, uh, you know, to their credit, they just hired Jonah Goldberg, who is uh, the former founding editor of the National Review Online. He's a former Fox News commentator. He's a great guy, very, very sharp. He was on our podcast. And so CNN just hired him. And Jonah said, I quit Fox because Fox wanted me to categorically be anti-liberal. And that's not how I roll. I'd like to roll based on principle. Many times I'm going to agree with conservatives but not necessarily by default, but I wasn't allowed to be that way And Fox. And in CNN, they allow me to be who I am. And so I'm, Brent, I'm the conservative, it's okay, I'm, it's fine, 
but CNN wants me to be myself. I thought that was pretty cool. So I do think that there are some differences between the networks. I wouldn't equate them to be perfectly the same. But that said, I don't think either are really the best source of news for either left-leaning news or right-leaning news. There's far, far better news out there. And that's really at the core of what we do at The Factual. What we want to say to people, especially to liberals, for example, liberals think there are a lot of liberals that actually do get tired sometimes of hearing the sound bites that just work for them, that agree with them. They're like, you know, I'm feeling a little bit mollycoddled here. I do want to see and understand the whole picture. I don't think I'm getting it at all. And this was famously true after Hillary, Hillary Clinton lost. They felt like, I feel like I'm missing the whole story. How did this happen? I wasn't expecting this. But for a lot of liberals, they think, well, I guess I have to pick between Fox or Breitbart. Ugh, is that really my choices? And what we want to say is, no, there's so much better stuff. Check out American Conservative, check out Recent, check out all these other places that are great. The Bulwark used to be there, the Dispatch, which is Jonah's thing now. Um, They're very, very good. You can find conservative framed news. That's great. And similarly for conservatives, hey, it's not all MSNBC out there. There's great reporting out there that does have a left framing, but that's okay. We're human. We all have framings. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, I can't eliminate bias entirely. What I can do is give you a few articles from across the political spectrum that are well thought out, well researched, well reasoned. Then you decide. And maybe you'll stick to your liberal side or your conservative side. But I hope you come away thinking that whoever believes the other way, they're not crazy. You just have a different frame of reference. That's okay. That's life. Dan's so happy right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mad, obviously, because I only want people to hear liberal things and care about liberal things. But Dan is so happy right now. (laughs) He did a little fist bump. It was really cute. (laughs) It's like, yes, that's exactly it. That's why I every morning I wake up. One of the first things I do, I don't grab my phone right away. I mean, I turn off the alarm, but like I wake up and I do other things. But the first information thing I do is, is truly open up the factual email and or the factual app and look at the day's headlines. Realize that I'm seeing a mix of synopses because each one has a little bit of a bullet point. And I'm like, okay, I know what's going on in the world. And I don't feel like I'm in an echo chamber. Like it's that simple. Um, And then you mentioned. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say the other thing about it is, you know, um, people sometimes think is the goal of the factual to change your mind. And I would say categorically, no. You should hold on to whatever beliefs you want to, whatever viewpoint of the world you want to, but do it with all the facts. Do it so that you know everything out there and that when you're challenged on your viewpoint, you understand where other people are coming from. Then your argument, your views are going to be stronger. They're going to be more believable. You'll feel more confident. You will make more progress with your ideas. So you know, for the ardent liberal or the ardent conservative and pick the most divisive issue you can, abortion probably. I don't expect anything that we ever produce to change people's minds. I highly doubt it. But I do think it will give you empathy for the other side and say, I know we're not going to agree on this issue. It's okay. I don't think you're nuts anymore. I just have a very different viewpoint. And I understand why you have a different viewpoint. I, it's okay. It's not, it's not my viewpoint, but I get it. I don't hate you for it. That's such a better way to build this country, you know, versus now it feels like it's, it's personal attacks. It's people like you're nuts for thinking differently than me. Come on. That's, that's too much. You mentioned the podcast. Um, I'll just throw out there. Unbiased is the podcast from the factual. Check that out. Um, 
co-host Dan, Sally, and Arjun Morthy talk about all kinds of stuff um, when it comes to different viewpoints. And I love it. You've got eight episodes out, some great conversations. I know you've got a new one coming out pretty soon. That's yeah, pretty big <laughs> doggone deal. <laughs> that's I mean, right. That's a yeah. big name. Tomorrow, uh, our interview with Mark Cuban drops and uh, it was outstanding. Mark was really good. So it was, the the premise is Mark Cuban launched this thing called uh, costplusdrugs.com, which is a very low cost online pharmacy to get people medications that they can't otherwise afford. And uh, it's very, it's it's brilliant. It's such a good service. He's done it as a public benefit corporation. Um, and so it's interesting on how he did it, why he did it. We also take him to task a little bit. Uh, Kim, you'll be happy about this. You know, we said, why did it have to get to the point that we needed billionaires to do this in the first place? What does that say about our society? And so we talked a lot about capitalism, where capitalism works, where it doesn't. And Mark's very forthright about it. Um, and so he talks about where, yeah, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing. And uh, we talk about charities and uh, charitable giving and how that works or doesn't work. I mean, the conversation is wide ranging. It's a lot more about politics, actually, and why we have the problems that we do in this country and why we can't seem to solve them. Uh, he's a sharp guy. He's not just a finance guy or an entrepreneur. He's a, he's a thoughtful guy. And I think people are going to like the show, whatever you may believe of him. I think it's just an interesting conversation. He's never run for office or said that he could be president that I'm aware of. So um, I have to assume that he's a sharp guy. <laughs> I think that there's, you know, when you get to the level that he is at, you're surrounded by a lot of people whose entire net worth is based on telling you yes instead of no. And you see it with a lot of people um, at that level, regardless of what their job is. And uh, he he must be a good enough guy that people love him enough to tell him no. Yeah, I, I read a quote somewhere that his wife told him, I don't want you running for office, uh, oh. which is usually, you know, in most people's lives, their spouse has a, a big vote. Um, and then I think he also, in the, in the conversation, we talk a lot about why politics is terrible. And so Mark has really thought about this. He's thought about what it takes to manipulate and work the party power structure to get the nomination and beat the primary and survive having your family life dragged through the mud because everyone goes through that. And he's like, who wants to do that? And the people that do want to, you got to wonder, like, really, are you the type of person that truly cares about serving the nation or did you do it for the power? And his argument is most of you are doing it for the power. You don't really care about serving the nation. That sucks. That, yeah. I think that breaks my heart because don't we want civil servants that truly want to serve the nation? And this is a gross generalization because there are some great um, public officials out there and especially at the local level. Like I know my local officials at the state level here in San Mateo, they're very good. Um, but it definitely seems like that at the federal level, it's a power game. It's the sound bites. It's the getting the tweets. Like I like, uh, AOC. I don't like how she plays social media. Um, I, it, to me, it feels like performance a lot of time. And I dislike that despite me thinking she's actually quite sharp at times. Um, so it's that kind of stuff. And we talk a lot, a lot about that. So I want to go back to something we, you, I've heard you reference a couple of times, this idea behind this question here. You've talked about newspapers, about reading articles, about how hard it is to grade MSNBC versus CNN because of article versus video, read versus watch. Now, I know as a marketer, I tell businesses, make more videos. You're going to change more minds. It's more emotional. Yep. Have we got it wrong in news? Should we be reading more than we're watching? Um, 
I think each format has its um, advantages and disadvantages. The reality is you have to face up to what consumers are up against. And the truth is consumers have a lot of good options for their time. And news is kind of the boring one. It's like, really? You could just watch some TikTok videos. It's quite fun. <laughs> Do I really want to read this long ass article about why Ukraine is not going? I mean, I know it's really important. Everyone's talking about it. Oh, so boring. So, so sad. I don't want to do this. So I say all this as the preamble, because if you're in the news business, you do have to think about where my reader's head is at and you're competing for their attention is the truth. The way that we have to go about it is I'm here to inform you as quickly as possible and then get out of the way because you do have other things to do like TikTok. Yes, it's true. So I think it's less that whether it's audio or video or text, they all have their uh, benefits. Video has some beautiful things you can do with imagery, which yes, it does tug at your heartstrings sometimes, but frankly, it's important. It's important to get a visual sometimes of what's going on out there. Audio is great. People learn sometimes better through audio than reading. There are a lot of people in the world who when something's spoken to them, they get it much faster when they read it. We have to accommodate for different people's learning abilities, different people's preferences for how they like the news and, and reach them all. But the fundamental thing that all news must do is, I will not waste your time. I'm very respectful of your time because you have other things to do. You have a job, you have kids, you have families, you've got bills, you've got things to do. I'm not here to waste your time. I'm going to bounce quickly. And that I think is what kills most news. Because most news is ad-driven, they cannot help but waste your time. They cannot help but give you more and more news because it serves their bottom line. It's so hard for them to say, actually, you're good. You're caught up. Hey, bye now. We'll see you tomorrow. They can't do that. But that's actually what we need to do. We need to say, this is it. Five minutes, 10 minutes. Oh, wait, I'm going to alert you this one time. Not every damn news is alert worthy. Just alert me when it really is important. You have to think in that manner and not be driven by ads. And then it really doesn't matter what medium you pick, whether it's audio, visual, text, or something like that. So to me, the crux of the problem is the business model of news. It is not aligned with informing the consumers. It is, inform it is aligned with, let me get as much of your life as I can. And I hate that about the news. My, my follow-up to that is, as a consumer, if I, and, and I know this, some of this comes from a privileged position as well. I have sight. I can read, I have access to all this. Should I, as a consumer, be leaning more into reading and images rather than video all the time so that I can, again, I think about the emotional tug, right? If I'm gonna watch a clip from CNN or Fox News or MSNBC, I'm going to be involved more emotionally. If I look at a very important topic, should I maybe think to also, at least also, if not exclusively, but also read? I think reading's a little bit easier insofar as it's, uh, if you have a service like The Factual, you can get the different viewpoints from across the political spectrum, which is really the key. You want to see multiple viewpoints as kind of our, our thesis. It's a little harder with video to do that, to always assemble that. There's some, quote, centrist-like news organizations. You can argue, you know, the Christian Science Monitor, for example, is a very good publication and usually is kind of middle of the road-ish. I mean, sometimes they'll, you know, their leanings will expose, but by and large, pretty good. So if you see a video from them, I think you're actually going to do pretty well. Uh, what I would say is mix it up. It's a little boring to always read. Truth is actually, I like 
all the formats. I love podcasts and audio. I listen to audio when I'm driving or when I'm doing an errand. It's good. Um, try to make the best use of the mediums. I think audio is not as good for just let me get the facts kind of news. It's better for let me dive deep into a topic. Get like the, okay, not, maybe not a great example, but you know, an NPR uh, marketplace which is with Kai Rizdahl, is I think just a great show. I, Kai just has a sexy voice, to be totally honest. He's out of LA, by the way, Kim. Um, yes. And so- What's his deal? Is he single? <laughs> I don't know. He's got such a good voice. You should, it's, oh my God. I, I, I fall in love with that. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when Kai and his team do a piece, it's just nice. It's nice to listen to it and, and get into the details. Um, Terry Gross sometimes does beautiful interviews on NPR too. It's hard not to just like listening to that stuff. So I like audio for the in-depth pieces. I like video sometimes for the very visual elements that I miss. Um, when it comes to war reporting, the truth is visuals matter. Um, like it's, if you just read about Israel-Palestine sometimes, it's very easy to be desensitized. Okay, what's the big deal? Another skirmish, another bomb, another set of dead people. Like it's, it's like, I can't, you see the visuals and I know there's an emotional element, but you have to see it to feel it oh, this is what people are going around like. This is what life in, in the West Bank looks like. This is what life looks like in, uh, in Tel Aviv every day where people, this is how it looks like on the street where people, have, you've got to see that and feel it to get the context. Like, okay, now the text sort of holds. So I think what I would say is mix it up. Don't be exclusively in one. Don't exclusively watch television news. God knows it's some of the worst stuff out there. Mix it up. Read, watch, listen get a lot of it. And then I think you'll be a better arbiter of, okay, I can, I can understand this now. I want this conversation to go on for five more hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, fire away. Uh, I've got, uh, I've been thinking about this for almost six years. So I've got, I'm chock full of, uh, of commentary and, and feel free to challenge as well. Like we don't have all the answers. I, I just, uh, yeah, I think there's a better world out there. Let's see if we can build it. <laughs> and I think that's said- that humility. <laughs> exactly. I, I think that sets everybody up for success. You know, as I'm thinking about my like next steps and my own little silly ideas, I think about that a lot. It's like the idea of not knowing. I just this morning actually was listening to Adam Grant's podcast um, about pitching. And he says one of the most effective ways studies have shown to pitch is to go into it saying like, here are some of our weaknesses or places where we need a little bit of help. And and going into it knowing, like, well, we don't have all the answers. And I think that that's something you just touched on a little bit, too, is like, you know, we're open to being pushed back on and and um, knowing that we don't have all of the information so that we can grow and eventually have that's all right. the answers. And Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting if um, for folks out there that are thinking about starting business to the extent that it is tech enabled in some way, uh, you might want to consider, you know, an accelerator like Y Combinator. And I say this not because it's a shout out to Y Combinator itself, whatever you may think of the program and the terms of the deal, blah, blah, blah. The application process is a good one to do. What I like about it is that Y Combinator understands that when people are building businesses early on, they don't have all the answers and they're going to need help. Um, and that's okay. What they want is what's your insight into this market, uh, into this space that other people don't have? Because that's the core of it. If you have some insight that other people don't have, that's when you can build something great, right? What's your yeah. insight? Why isn't anyone else attacked this insight? Is it really a good insight? Is it just a superficial insight? And that's the kind of stuff that anyone can really 
sort of work on and build in their area of interest or expertise and stuff. And then after that, you could say, look, I don't have all the steps to get, you know, this to be a billion dollar company or whatever I have, but I do know this thing. It's big. Here's why. Here's why no one else has it. Here's what's causing that real insight bit is cool. Um, and I think they do a good job of getting people to focus on that. So interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I like Kim, I could sit here and talk about this for hours and hours. We don't, we don't have that. Neither do our yeah. listeners. This is not a long form <laughs> podcast. However, um, what, so the factual.com the factual has where the podcast is. It has how to set up for newsletter. Um, great resources there. Arjun, what would be your biggest piece of advice for someone who is wanting to create that cultivated, compassionate, well-rounded consumption of news? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I, I'm biased. I'd say, you know, sign up for the factual, um, sign up for the newsletter. It's the easiest way to, to get the facts from all the different angles across the political spectrum and be done with news in roughly about seven to 10 minutes in the morning or whenever you choose to read it. Um, that's it. That's what it should take. And then beyond that, use you know whatever other resources we have. We have a great search engine, which is a, a good substitute for Google, where you just, you know when you search on Google, you're like, uh, okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to read here. There's hundreds of sources listed. I don't know if I'm getting all the angles. You know, see the factual search is a much better thing. We've got a Chrome extension that rates articles, you know, instantly as you read, wherever you read on the web. So there's lots of different tools and stuff that you can use. Um, so to sort of be informed anywhere all the time, but the newsletter is sort of the easiest thing. Beyond that, I would say, um, you know, the truth is we learn best in person. Uh, no matter what you have about written content or audio visual, and those are all good, man, nothing hits you between the eyes, like talking to another good, thoughtful person. Because that's when you're like that. I remember that. I remember it years later, even after more than any article I ever read. So I would say, if possible, try to cultivate a wide set of friends. Try to have friendships with people that are not like you that are in different circles of life, different phases of life, come from different backgrounds. It makes life more interesting anyways, but that's where you're going to get the real like punch on what different uh, views are. Like, you know, again, take a really divisive topic. I'll pick a random one, immigration, right? Immigration is something that bothers a lot of people uh, on both sides. Great, talk to lots of people talk to immigrants, talk to people that live at the border in the South, in Arizona or Texas, talk to people that came here seeking asylum, talk to people that have hired immigrants and have had them working for them and understand what they, why actually a lot of employers like immigrants. Um, talk to all these different things. And then you're like, wow, this is, a, this is quite a complicated, it's quite a beautiful story. It's quite a heartbreaking story at times. Um, one of the things that no one believes me when I tell them, for example, when it comes to immigration is uh, liberals, for example, think most conservatives are, are categorically, categorically anti-immigrant. And when you actually read and talk to a lot of uh, conservatives, you'll find out that's not true at all. In fact, most conservatives are pro-immigration. They're actually one of the first to recognize that this country is built pretty much all by immigrants. We're kind of all immigrants, just a different generation. They get that. It has more to do with laws and whether or not they're following the right laws are there, you know, circumventing various provisions that we have. And of course, you can argue whether or not those are fair to begin with and, and whether those laws are being manipulated anyways to the benefit of various political parties. But 
the point is the actual people are not the caricature that you maybe think. And so I would say, yeah, if you want to have well-rounded, informed world view of the world, uh, read something like the factual, read different sources regularly, and then have a wide set of acquaintances and friends, and you'll just have a more interesting life. Excellent. Well, Arjun, thank you so much for being a part of My America. We appreciate all the insight. Um, I second that everything you said about the factual. This is not like a paid endorsement or anything. I just, I'm so excited <laughs> to have you on here and talk about this because I think this is such a, a hidden gem right now out there in the world that needs to be talked about more. This is just a better way to get your news. So thanks for being a part of this. Thank you very much, uh, Dan and Kim, for having me. This is really enjoyable. And yeah, if folks have uh, any follow-up questions, just drop me a note. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Juice Morthy, which is kind of my nickname from school, um, or just uh, hit the contact button on our homepage and I'll get the email. Awesome. All the links in the show notes for sure. Kim, any last thoughts from you? Come on, Sage. Um, yeah, I guess my last thoughts are um, uh, friendship sounds cool. Looking forward to finding some of my own one day. Um, uh, differing opinions sounds very helpful. Looking forward to um, having some of those one day. You know? <laughs> You're not here. You know, one of the funny things about that is um, you find out that we're so much, we as human beings are so much more than politics. Most of our life isn't about politics. It's really about regular day-to-day -day stuff. We'll talk about movies and music and food and, and, you know, commutes or whatever, whether like that's actually how we are. Once in a while, it'll drift into politics. And then if you have the right mindset and you're curious, um, there's a great book called, I Never Thought of It That Way by this woman named Monica Guzman, who we had on our show. She's wonderful. And she's just like, you know, it's fascinating. She's, so she's basically, the, the setup is she's a, a fairly liberal person living in Seattle whose parents are immigrants that voted for Donald Trump twice. And so she used to fight with them a lot. And then she's like, <laughs> yeah. And so she's like, I want to understand this better. And she wrote a wonderful book about it. But um, anyways, the, the, the gist of it is, you know, we, we, we're such interesting uh, animals. We're such interesting things. Explore and find out other stuff. It doesn't always have to be politics denominated. And when it does come up, just be curious and, and it won't be a prickly discussion. Doesn't, don't run straight to politics. God, that's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. I, and I love talking about politics, but yeah, there's sometimes where I'm like, this is boring. And also like, I want to know, you know, what's your um, reason behind your reason? You know, where is this coming from and, and what experience has brought you to this? Yeah. Be curious, not judge your story. That's it. Yeah, well, that's your story. Yeah. Be yeah. curious. Hey, isn't that from Ted Lasso? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I believe that it is. <laughs> nice. Um, awesome. Well, again, Arjun, thank you so much for being a part of My America. We appreciate you and the work you're doing and, and just taking time to talk with our listeners. So thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. So that was incredible. Um, my gosh. like That was awesome. An incredible episode, incredible conversation. And then before and after when we're off the mic, there's always so much more as well. So if you have yeah. a chance, follow Arjun and, and just have conversations with him and, and subscribe to The Factual. Um, yes. So Kim... Uh, I know that if people want to have a conversation with me. I am open to that. So they can find me at Dan Moyle on social media. Now you're not as open to the conversations, but if people do want to come tell you how right you are. I want to they... hear them tell me that I'm correct and I want them to follow me. So I get the numbers up. That's all I'm okay. looking for. In this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> where can they follow you? 
Um, well, as always, I am, of course, at, if you were listening to this on the day it came out, there are 194 days until the midterm elections, 194 days. And if you think that that number did not spiral me when I saw it for the first time, you have not been listening to anything I've ever said, done, witnessed anything, anything, anything. Um, 194 days less if you're listening to this after this episode came out. I don't get it. I don't, whatever. It doesn't matter. We talked about this. I don't get it. Less. Less if you want to early vote. Less if you need to update your registration. Less if you want to vote in your Jimmy Jams. You want to do absentee ballot. Uh, there's so Time is fleeting, and we know this. And yet it marches on and we forget sometimes still. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Uh, at Kim Moffat on Instagram and Twitter. At Kim Moffat is here on TikTok. Excellent. And of course, the show itself, we are at My America Pod at all the places. Um, but yeah, make sure you're following us and following the factual. All those links are in the show notes. Kim, yeah. always appreciate your perspective and how you are so free to give it. Dan. You're welcome.